It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. Inside the Gamecocks, the show. I am J.C. Sherbert. He's Phil Mullinax. Good morning. Good afternoon. If you're somewhere else, good night. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. evening. For our European listeners, evening. <laughs> <laughs> evening. Speaking of that, you know, uh, it's funny you say that, Phil. Right before I was getting on, I was looking at the analytics for the show. Mm-hmm. And apparently on the YouTube stream, uh, I haven't checked the podcast downloads. I'm sure that's different. Uh, you can do it by city. Raleigh, North Carolina. No. Is where uh, is our, our our biggest audience, uh, and then Charlotte, North Carolina, and then Atlanta, Georgia, <laughs> and then Columbia, Charleston, Lexington, Rock Hill, Greenville, you know all that good stuff. But we uh, <laughs> apparently are popular in Raleigh, so uh, it's kind of neat. They kind of uh, break it all down. There's a Boiling Springs in here. We got a, a big group in Boiling Springs. We got people in Five Forks, <laughs> Swansea. Uh, and then you go down to Belton and Belton Honey Path, and then all of a sudden Indianapolis and, the, and Los Angeles pop up. I'm like, no, oh, nice. <laughs> so, so welcome one and all. It's, it's a national great. show. We'll tell everybody it's a national show now. It's national. It's national. We're national. Right. We're live of all fifty, uh, or at least you know twenty states, and uh, and definitely in places like Lugolf, Gilbert, Malden, Casey, Oak Grove. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 when I read through these cities in South Carolina, I just bring back memories because I've, I've probably driven through all of, of these little towns at one point oh, right. or another. Yeah. Uh, maybe not recruiting past, yeah. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not some quite up like in the like Lancaster ish area. Uh, but uh, but then you get over to Sherrill and Marlboro County. I've been all over those places, so uh, I kind of get a chuckle out of like or memories of these little, little places and stuff. They're near and dear to my heart, but it was, it's kind of funny when you're looking through it, you see like Belton and then you see LA <laughs> two different size places there. Right. Uh, anyway, got, got a great show lined up for you today, folks. We've got uh, Brad Crawford from 24 seven sports coming on uh, at the top of the hour. Brad texted me and tweeted out. He's got some, um, some notes and, and tendencies and thoughts on, uh, on the offense. So everybody's favorite subject Marcus Satterfield's offense. We're going to dive into that with Brad Crawford, of course, at 1130, uh, just like we always have uh, Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up show. And then, of course, I will be on the Spurs Up show at 115 to chat with him. Uh, that's always high energy and, and good. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting Chris's take on um, the A&M game and the win and the atmosphere and all that stuff. He's had a lot of good stuff on his social media accounts all week, uh, just from the game, you know, the lights, all that good stuff. So, be sure to check it out. I always tell people about, about the Spurs Up show uh, social media accounts. It's just a bunch of stuff Gamecock fans would want to see. Oh, yeah. You know, little videos, uh, pictures, quotes, you know, you name it. It's kind of quick and easy to digest, too. So I encourage everybody, uh, as you're consuming your social media content or content at all, I think he's got a blog, too. Uh, be sure to check out the Spurs Up show because it's, it's, it's a good read and listen and all that good stuff. But Chris joins us every week and brings it uh, pretty hard. Um, the IOP Consulting mailbag question of the day is about the uniforms. Uh, and I'll talk about that here uh, probably after Brad. I'll get to the, the mailbag, uh, answer some of the other questions that are in the mailbag, Phil. Uh, 
because I know I know we've got three or four that we need to get to. Uh, but the question of the day comes from Johnny. It's about the uniform. So that should be a good debate. So we got uniforms on tap. Also, the poll question, okay? And it's, it's another kind of off-topic poll question. Would you serve chicken bog at a tailgate? Yes, <laughs> no, or I don't know what that is. <laughs> chicken bog at a tailgate. So would you serve chicken bog at a tailgate? I, I started thinking about it because uh, we made some chicken bog up here a couple of uh, couple of weeks back and turned out well. And my mom used to make it, so I know exactly what it is. But uh, some people don't. <laughs> and and I, my, my opinion on that, if I were answering the poll question like w- without a yes or no, uh, I would, uh, I would, um, yeah, I would probably say yes for a, probably a, a cold weather game, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look, I, a low country bowl and, and chicken bog and things like that, there's never a bad time or a seat. It's not seasonal food, but, uh, I would prefer that like a, a cold weather tailgate, I guess. I guess I'm kind of more of like a barbecue or fried chicken guy at a tailgate. Wings. Uh, you can never go wrong. If it, Here's a tip. Pro tip for everybody who's not like a big tailgater, but you get invited and they tell you to bring something. You can never go wrong with two things. For the first and foremost, the king of all never go wrong is the Chick-fil-A chicken nugget platter with the no. Polynesian and Chick-fil-A sauce. Because no. you take that to a tailgate it's gone in 20 minutes and you yeah, feel you good. Don't keep it long, no. The worst thing you can do is take something to a tailgate and nobody eats it. Mm-hmm. And so you got this excess food. You're like, well, I thought everybody loved me. It really can hurt your feelings. So, um, so, but, uh, so I that's like having enough though for after the game, JC, I like packing enough to where you got a little bit to, to eat on before you hit the road. Uh, yeah. Well, that, that <laughs> yeah, used to be yeah. my, 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 uh, cause you know, they, that was before I got to sit, it with some of my buddies' sweets, like the Champions Club with the bar and all that good stuff. Uh, so what I do, I, I drink enough beer to, to get nice and lathered up and eat some chicken before the game. And then the game happens. I always ate a hot dog and drank a Coke at halftime, mm-hmm. second half. And then by the time I get back to the car, I get that piece of Bojangles chicken, the breast, the spicy, you know, devour that. And then I'm good to go back to Spartanburg or Greenville. You know, that, right. that, was back, yeah. that, was, that was about 20 years ago. Now I'm just like. You know, I'm like, oh, 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 you, know. <laughs> I, uh, you know, if I go to a game now, um, you know, kind of, kind of follow that same pattern to Kentucky for when I took it with my friends there. So that was good. Mm-hmm. All right. I know you're all waiting for the Nana's Porch chat box to be unleashed. Unleash. Let's unleash the chat box, Phil. Uh, Zach comes in. Good morning, fellas. Craig mm-hmm. says, what's good, crew? Craiger. What's good with Craiger? J-Rock, good morning, Gamecock fam. At home sick today. Oh, man, J-Rock, feel better, uh-huh. bud. But yeah, at least man. I get to watch the show. That's a positive. Well, we're that's flattered right. about that. Hope you're still enjoying that new home too, J. Rod. Yeah, man, that's awesome. It's uh, it's kind of like when I used to get sick when I was in college. I'd, I'm like, well, at least I get to watch Days of Our Lives. <laughs> Y'all didn't know I was a big Days of Our Lives fan back in the day, did you? That's what my mom used to watch. So I was always watching it when I was at homesick too. So you uh, know, I, yeah, I, I, Stefano Marlena, yeah, the whole Stefano night. Marlena. <laughs> man, my, I was I was when like Sammy tried to like. Uh, was married, like, like tricked Austin into a pregnancy, and it wasn't <laughs> Austin's baby, and he was still in love with Carrie, who was Sammy's sister. They're both Marlena's kids, half-sisters or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the lady in white, Stefano DeMiro, no, no, no. <laughs> my favorite kind of birdcage. <laughs> my favorite character in that whole thing was, like, was Victor Cariacus, man. I just like saying his name. Yeah. Victor Cariacus. Maybe I'll change my name from J.C. Sherbert to Victor Kariakis. Victor Kariakis. 
Uh, like the show Victoria. with Bill Mullinax and Victor Kariakis. I'm sorry for the dog barking. I don't know. He usually is calm, you know, during this time uh, of, of the day. But I don't know. Joey Sox says, morning from Lexington, Kentucky. Enjoy and listen to the show with my mail route. Keep up the good works, fellas. Yeah, I enjoy. Look, I enjoy my time in Lexington. Um, it's a nice town. Uh, it's a lot of blue. A lot of blue. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 it's a nice little place. I actually – that's one of the few times I've actually been there and spent, spent extended periods of time because – in previous years when I've gone to the game, um, uh, I've kind of just come, gone up and come back. So um, I enjoyed all that. Uh, good morning, Rob says. I'm going to be at the Carolina Vandy next weekend. So stoked. Yeah, I talked to a friend of mine last night who's actually in Nashville. And a lot of lot of, lot of of ties there. Lived there seven years. Love it. Wish yeah. I could make it down. But I've got uh, I got this Disney trip coming up, man. <laughs> like, I'm kind of trying to maybe save a little because it looks like it's going to cost me a king's ransom. Yeah, to you're take uh, it down there, man. <laughs> man, I'm like, oh, that's like, wow, you know. I, I may just pack some 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 snacks, like granola bars and stuff, and sneak them in or whatever. Yeah, that'll be twenty dollars for this hamburger. It looks like that, and it's not even like a it's like a, it's like the hamburgers you used to get like at the in the cafeteria at lunch. Oh yeah, at school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy. Uh, John goes good morning all. He's for part of our Pacific Northwest posse. That's right. Uh, I didn't see Seattle on there. I'm I, I probably you know I probably need to. Maybe I'll write YouTube and be like, "Yo, you people are wrong." Uh, the the he's he's joining J Rock at home from his sick bed. The seasonal crud is making the rounds. Why am I more worried about this game than last weekend's tilt? I, I think it's because of this, uh, and and I'm kind of I share your concerns. I think number one, all of a sudden you look up and it's like the Gamecocks have won four straight and are ranked in the top twenty-five. What was so so? What's the next thing? That's going to happen. <laughs> waiting for the other shoe to drop. The other, the I know. Shoe I know. may drop. I'm I, having I think, to fight that urge, too. I'm like, oh, yeah, well. <laughs> I, I think number two, we're talking offense versus defense. Missouri strength statistically, and I say statistically, and with, with respect, because I do think, uh, honestly, they have the most improved defense in the league. I don't even think that's debatable, and their coordinator's doing a great job, and their players are doing a great job. They added some pieces in the portal. They are a good, legit SEC team defensively. South Carolina has struggled a bit on offense. We know that, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's number two. And then number three, I, I think we all kind of are like transitive propertying it and looking at that Georgia score and going, how did they almost beat those guys? And South Carolina lost 48 to seven. Um, you guys did have five starters out that game. And I'm not saying they would have made a difference because uh, Georgia was rolling. And then Georgia kind of came off that Kent and Missouri game and they didn't look as good. And now they're rolling again. I think they may hang half a hundred on Florida this week. Yeah, I think Florida's got it coming. I, mm. I really do. I think uh, – is that game at noon? No, no, it's the 3.30. So, yeah, you catch the yeah. – so you can catch, like, the first part of that. Then uh, by the time the Gamecocks kick off, the dogs will be up 28 nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, Florida's defense is just not. Uh, they, they've I didn't expect them to be world beaters this year, but they they're getting worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, they couldn't stop LSU. I mean, you know, uh, but John, we certainly hope you feel better uh, up there. Uh, hang in there, buddy. Um, mm-hmm. Jared says, in any movement on the final roster spot for men's basketball. Admittedly, I did not scan the BigSpur.com this morning for John Little and. Alex Jones and uh, all those guys, great coverage from the Garnet and Black Madness last night. So let me get back to you on that. I got to I got to contact our research team here. Lady Bree says morning, morning, morning. Uh, Jafaller 
I'm feeling a huge W wins Saturday night. He's not anxious about this one. Nope. I'll go 45-14 Cox. Woo. Go Cox and Semper Fi, guys. And what do we say to Semper Fi? Thank you for your service, sir. Uh, Craig has tweeted a great stat to me. Oh, let me read it. Uh, okay, I definitely will get that. Uh, did you? If you tweeted it in my personal Twitter account, I'll have to switch screens here in a little bit. But I'll we'll get to that, Craig. Or remind me to do that, Phil, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. prior to uh, Chris coming on once we get through. Jeff Fowler is in Denver. My uh, my cousin's husband, uh, my cousin and her husband lived in Denver for a while. I've been out there a couple of times for work. I like it. Loved going to Boulder in June for a Nike football camp. That's probably like being outside in June in Boulder, Colorado, and you look way up, Phil, and it's kind of right at the cusp of the Rockies. And the, the, the University of Colorado is beautiful, by the way. I mean, it's a great mm-hmm. campus. And you can kind of see some of the snow up there. Now there's a cool breeze coming off the mountains. Great, great stuff. Great stuff. But, uh, you know, didn't get to know any of the locals in Boulder, obviously. But, <laughs> you know, it's great stuff there. <laughs> Uh, also says, Phil, that stash is getting thick going as Tom Selleck for Halloween. He does have a little Tom Selleck look He's going on. Yeah, that's right. My wife would love that. She's a big Tom Selleck fan. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. You bet your bottom dollar she is. <laughs> uh, by the way, I was just texting with her and uh, our friend Skipper, and Skipper's having a debate about go- whether they're going to Outback or Portofino's. Uh, and uh, I guess the last last few times I've had Outback and y'all have had Outback haven't been all that great. So uh, no, no, it's been a little lack mediocre. Yeah. I'd say Portofino's. That's a great Italian restaurant here in Greenville. Yeah, Portofino's. That's more Skipper's speed anyway. I don't know why he's even mentioned. Well, he used to work at Outback, so uh, back in college. Anyway, I'm getting way off track here. Who else <laughs> is hoping for USC and UK to win out? UT to beat UGA. So all four teams are ten and two. So you're so J Rock. You think Carolina's going to beat Clemson? No, that's good. I, mean, I don't. I don't think that's out of the question. But uh, no. Mm-hmm. And if the S- East champ wins the SEC championship game, then the would be the first two loss team to make the playoffs. Chaos. Yeah. The only problem with that is if everybody's tied, it pro- that that scenario probably goes to a vote of athletic directors. Sure. Nobody's voting for South Carolina or Kentucky. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It'll be, you know, uh, yeah, Georgia or Tennessee will win that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe Shane Beamer and Mark Stoops can like join forces like the super friends and, and bash the league. I don't know. Rob knows <laughs> how I've missed chicken bog. They have no clue what that is here in Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. I, I know Tennessee surprises you. A lot of not, not very good barbecue unless it's Memphis. Nothing that macaroni and cheese up there is like God awful. It's like soup. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I don't know. I lived in Nashville a long time, but outside of the hot chicken, I can't tell you, like, besides that, what it's really known for, what's good in that town. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Rick says we we call it uh, Perlo in the low country. So, hmm. Uh, oh, Quantrell. This is interesting. We need Dawn Staley to work her magic and get Carolina that Jordan brand sponsorship. I'm sure she has the clout to do it. It matters to recruits. I agree. Uh, I think that would be the play for Carolina if they – if – they would do it. And I think you're absolutely right, Quantrell. Dawn Staley would be the, the perfect pitch for that. And I remind everybody, girls buy shoes too. So, Perlo in the low country. All right. So, oh, man, Jan. Jan, you're killing me, dude. I'm cooking a big pot of chicken bar for this Saturday's game with Zesto Slaw. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Cocky Gaming says we're back like cook crack. Uh, I like a good chicken bar, but it isn't a typical choice for a tailgate. I might would though. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, I I just I'm kind of a little bit maybe had it 
Oh, he had some Perlow at the thing. So I guess Perlow is chicken mine. My mother's from Horry County, and that's not the low country. That's sort of, you know, yeah. uh, Myrtle the, Beach. So, PD, uh, will, you know, the strange. PD. And yes. so they call it a chicken bog. So that's it there. Tiffany says nothing like a good bog. Buffalo chicken dip is a no-brainer at a tailgate. Oh, I agree. Oh, yeah. You can eat Ooh, the, that, that's going to be yeah. gone. That's going to Buffalo chicken yeah. is gone. Cam checks in. That wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Quantrell, man. Oh, mm -hmm. gosh. Um, Cam says checking in from Charlotte. Beat Mizzou. Yes, sir. Yeah. Cam's been a, a frequenter here in the Nana Sports chat box this week. We appreciate him. He's uh, kind of new, I guess. Uh, uh, one of the becoming a regular. We love that. We want as many regulars as possible. Um, Lady Bree watched The Young and the Restless and Guiding Light. Come on, CBS soaps for the best. Never got into any other soap. Just the days of our no, lives. Yeah, yeah. I don't NBC. know why. Just don't know why. I don't know. Why. I mean, I, my friend, one of my friends, my actually my college roommate got. Uh, Got me into that. Uh, best show while homesick is The Price is Right. Man, I could take a power nap for The Price is Right. Oh, yeah. Come mm -hmm. on down. <laughs> J-Rock says, I grew up familiar with soap operas. Grandma had to watch her stories. Yeah, my grandma called yeah. her the stories. <laughs> the stories. I got to go. My stories are on. My stories are on. Oh, Tiffany Reed brings up a good uh, thing here today. And look, guys, I have to, because you guys know I own Carolina Rise. It's a collective. Uh, so I've been kind of knee deep in the NIL world with all this. And certainly we had Chance and, and Hillary on, but talk about Park Avenue and that deal with Carolina. I got to look in to see what this means, because if you interpret it one way, it means one thing. And if you interpret it another, it means another. And it's new NCAA guidelines seem targeted right at Carolina. I really hope we don't stick our head in the sand and stand up to the toothless organization. Look, this stuff is governed by state law because mm -hmm. there is no, there are no rules, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I think that's, um, you know, I think that's something that you know is going to come into conflict. So, yeah. uh, I think that's the good deal. Um, oh, the summer of '95 storyline, and when when the when Marlena was possessed, yes. yeah, I kind of got out. I got out when that started happening. <laughs> oh no, ninety-five. No, I started watching it in ninety-six. So uh I kind of um I guess I was beyond that because a friend of mine one time was like, I stopped watching when Marlena levitated over the bed mm -hmm. uh, or whatever. Um Aaron says, Let's go, JC and Phil. What's up? Maybe as Carolina fans, we have been trained to expect this loss, expect this to be a loss our entire lives. Yeah. And look, I'll just remind everybody, you know, sometimes there is letdown sometimes there's not uh it just seemed because the letdowns are just so gut-wrenching at times mm -hmm. um i was just thinking the other day i mean you know it, it kind of is what it is it's uh you know you think about it, all right, so the last time south carolina was ranked uh, and it was the playoff poll was the end of 2017 so so that year you know there's a letdown with the loss at home to kentucky uh, but you know vandy didn't come in and beat them they beat i mean uh they beat uh, it was Vandy, Florida. They beat Tennessee on the road, like they should have. None of those games are what I would call easy, but uh, you know they took care of Wofford. I mean, I, you know, South Carolina is a better football team than Missouri. You know, I, I, I do look at the matchups though, and do think Missouri's problematic to a certain extent. Um, hey, Thomas, I, I, I don't want to discuss potential OC hires right now. Like throw names out. Uh, if it comes to that, I will. Uh, you know, I've got my thoughts. It's kind of like 
you know, what style they need to do, you know, just something that allows you like Beaver says to run and pass. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that. that's crazy. Work scheduled a town hall at 12 today. They're just so rude. Gotta love those <laughs> town halls. Um, Clint says, I wish Colorado would become relevant again. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. Ralphie. Uh, mm-hmm. About the about the best that Colorado said. So they won a Pac-12 division in sixteen, and then fell back off the face of the earth. But yeah. uh, at the beginning of last year, Chris Fowler did the Run Ralphie Run narrated uh, viral video. Dude, I almost I just kind of mm, because I remember when they were great, mm-hmm. you know, uh, back in the day and one uh, A national now. Don't get me started on the 1990 national championship debate between them and Georgia Tech, because Georgia Tech absolutely should have won it. I mean, Colorado mm-hmm. had a loss, a tie, and they were given a fifth down uh, at Missouri, of all places, and uh, and they won that game, and they beat Notre Dame by a point, so they were like the national title winners, and Georgia Tech went undefeated. They had a tie against North Carolina, but they went undefeated otherwise. So that's uh, – don't get me started on that, but I like alcohol. Uh, I knew alcohol was okay to have in the stadium now, but weed is cool too. Also, gotta love to see progress. No, 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 no. Don't uh, don't do that. Um, Tiffany, Tiffany says rumor was Tom Selleck's mustache had its own trailer and driver. Mm. I, I would imagine so. Yeah, you know, so that that's kind of crazy. Daddy O is smoking a butt Saturday. Vinegar and mustard. Uh, Day nice. says. At this point on NIL, universities should go with what their state laws say, not what the NCAA says. The NCAA had their chance to take the lead, failed miserably. I agree. I agree. Yeah, they've completely abdicated their, you know, duties. Yeah. And just gave it, if you, you know, you throw up your hands and then you get the wild, wild west. So now you're going to have to deal with the change. Got to roll with the changes. Yeah. I mean, you can't come in and start like legislating this after the fact. Yeah, and I've got I, I I was thinking about this last night, this morning, and I got a lot to say, but I want to I want to read up on it a bit more and brush up a bit more on it. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's a it's a vague interpretation. I yeah. So, uh, Lady Breeze is going to pull away in the second half and win by twenty. I can see that happening. I can see that happening. Uh, Nat Croc Nat comes in. Nat's in the chat box. We crock pot a butt too. We did. We did that. Oh, nice. It was actually good. Cam says Satterfield looked beat down in yesterday's press conference. Seemed to have uh, no enthusiasm, had to have more enthusiasm just a short time ago. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's taking heat. And I, I don't I don't think that you can ever, you know, escape that these days. Uh, because, you know, even if, if he doesn't look at social media, then, then, you know, he probably knows somebody that does or his wife does. Uh, and I think that's when it gets bad with these guys sometimes is, is their families. You know, they, they, they have families, coaches, uh, assistant coaches in college football do not enjoy the job security uh, that, that head coaches do. They do make good money these days. Um, it's not life. I have seen his wife comment on some things too. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's on it more than him and all that. So that, I think that's unfortunate. And I feel bad. It uh, doesn't change my opinion of the offense, but on a personal, I mean, people, People take things too far sometimes, uh, in my opinion. Frank says, beware, chicken bog is an addiction. I've hooked many Yankee friends. Keep it basic with Texas Pete on the side for taste. I love me some Texas Pete. Oh, never tried it on chicken bog, though, Frank. I'm going to probably gonna try to do that. So uh, here we go. Keep it going. Keep it going. Uh, Phil 
Roll with the changes. Aria Speedwagon Thursdays. My wife loves that. Loves that song. Should we? Should, is that? Should we have Aria Speedwagon Thursdays? Aria Speedwagon Thursday. You know, if it weren't for copyrights and our yeah. friends at Google, then yeah, maybe yeah. we could. Yeah, yeah, they'll flag that and like take uh, what the the nickels worth of the, a couple of nickels worth of ads that we have right. <laughs> revenue we get. So right. but, I want to uh, flip them a dime every time I get that email. I'm like, yeah, hey, they'll, they'll send us to they'll send us to the you know send that money to Ario Speedwagon. Well, we Who, by the way, on one I was like, there wasn't even any. I don't even know why we got flagged on that last. <laughs> Yeah, that's it, just bizarre, man. I, I usually protest, and it gets gets uh, sort of, uh, you know, flipped around. Matt says Satterfield lied to our faces yesterday. Uh, now that press conference caused. A, I'll, I'll talk about this. That press conference caused a lot of angst and consternation. Uh, I also think there was a tweet that was misinterpreted, and we'll talk to Brad about that too because Brad was kind of up in it because uh, mm-hmm. he retweeted it and then had to delete it or whatever, but. Um, here's the thing, the, the Marcus Satterfield is, um, you know, he has a script and, and, and I just, I just don't think that people in the media, they continuously ask about this script. And I think what the people are sitting there thinking is his script is bad and he's getting off script, right. Or, or he's not getting off the script. You know, he's, you know, I, I, I it, it's kind of, I, I would be surprised because he's also said many, many times, but you know, and who knows with what he says to the media that he doesn't just go, no coach just sits there and goes, I'm going to, you know, looks at the script, calls it an order, you mm-hmm. know, whatever, unless it's something like, okay, you know, we're going to go super duper fast. Uh, these are the first five plays. <laughs> go yeah, out and run them. Of, you know? The first drive, you know, like they may script one drive after that he's on his own and yeah. he's just calling them as he sees it, you know? And, and, and so, so, you know, but, but then, then he said something else yesterday where he was like, we, we knew going in, we were going to run, uh, when we got inside the five, uh, and this was kind of the, the dumpster fire, uh, series after the, the pick, uh, that ended in a field goal. That well, when we knew when we got inside the fight, we were going to call these couple of plays. And so, yeah. you know, so that is scripted. So, so what is it? I mean, you know, that, that that's kind of the thing. So, I, I, a lot of discussion about that press conference yesterday. Um, yeah. Yeah. and uh, yeah, a lot so, of so people there. angry. <laughs> um, AJM2 asked if Pete Limbo is the best special teams coordinator in college football. I, who else is good at special teams? I don't know. You know, <laughs> he's he's you know top three. <laughs> I think he's the I think he's the best in the SEC. I, I think you know when you when you look at some programs like Georgia and Bama, it's it's pretty much it's easy to be good on special teams because you have a lot of depth. LSU teams like that, mm-hmm. but you know with what he's doing, you know South Carolina doesn't really have the the athletes on the bottom third of their roster that some of these other programs do, and that's kind of where you draw for your top special teams performers. And you have some starters on there too. They all, they, they embrace it. Uh, that's why Florida was really good on special teams when urban Meyer was there, you know, because yeah. he, mm-hmm. he co he coached it personally. They had all these five stars and they were, they were really good. But I think as far as the creativity, the scouting reports, the designs, uh, heck of a press conference, by the way, Pete Limbo had yesterday. Oh yeah. Um, if you missed it, go check it out. Go check it out, man. It'll make you, make you proud that he's part of, of the program you pull for. For sure. Uh, and so uh, there we go with that. All right. We got to get to a break. Um, we're going to come right back and high energy 
our high energy segment with Chris Phillips. Really looking forward to this discussion with Chris this week about, you know, sort of what uh, what his thoughts were uh, about the game last week and about Missouri. So we'll be right back after these messages on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope's State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Game. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it, let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. 
If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Mer Taylor, at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Time to get back to the show. Shoot. All right, my man. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with J.C. Sherbert and Phil Mullinax. First hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfiles at Coldwell Banker Kane Realty. Give Cindy a call for all your upstate residential real estate needs, 864-414-5271. And we are joined for our weekly drop by by Chris Phillips on the McKellar Enterprises guest line. How are you feeling today, Chris? Phil, JC, what's going on, man? I'm feeling good. Uh, about as good as anybody can feel when their team's on a four-game winning streak and one back-to-back SEC games as underdogs. So I'm, I'm feeling nice. great, man. I've been I've been joking with people all week that I, I took the cigar out of my mouth long enough to do all these different segments. So yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm fired up, man. I'm, I'm fired up. I'm pumped. And I tell you this, I'm uh, not to spoil anything for tomorrow, but I'm for my prediction and everything, but I am supremely confident going into the game this weekend. I can tell you that, so. Outstanding, yeah. It, it, it's people. Some some are, some aren't. I'm on a little more cautious <laughs> optimism uh, side of things right now. I I, I don't know. Uh, so t- to start with, we had a poll question today. Do you know what chicken bog is? I I, I don't really know. I, I I know what chicken is, but not chicken, not chicken bog. bog. No, okay, not, cool. not necessarily. So no. like, I was. We were asking, is that a tailgate food? It, it's kind of a low country South Carolina dish: chicken, rice, mm. sausage, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so people, uh, you know, I, I don't know. So yeah. that, that's been a great. Debate. Well, I, I would. I saw your poll. I would definitely. I'm not one of those like don't eat chicken on game day type deals. Like I understand yeah. our mascot and everything, but oh, I, I'll, I'll I mean, eat the heck. Are, are any? Yeah, I say, are any of us going to sit here and say chicken isn't delicious? So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I just like, I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, no, I, I would definitely indulge in some chicken bog if it was presented to me on game. Yeah, day. yeah, it, it's it's pretty yeah. solid. All right, yeah. so the games, uh, lots of uh, great stuff uh, all over your social media channels this week, Chris, by the way, and just, you know, you kind of just look at that atmosphere. I, yeah. uh, you know, williams Bryce Stadium now, to me, it, it almost looks like a rock concert more so than a football yeah. game. Uh, and it, and it, the crowd just goes nuts. You got the lights. Uh, you had the state fair in the background, just a perfect drop backdrop for a football game. And, you know, there's been great atmospheres through the years here. Sometimes Carolina plays great and wins. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they get blown out of the stadium, and that's bad. Uh, that didn't happen Saturday night. The Gamecocks really let start to finish, controlled the football game. But just kind of take us through, like, your impressions – of that A&M mm-hmm. game, I yeah. realized that it wasn't a perfect game. Uh, but, you know, I, I thought it was pretty solid. But uh, what say you about how things went down against the Aggies? Yeah, JC and Phil, I, I was in the stadium, obviously, Saturday night. And, oh, man, uh, electric. You know, I, I, I wasn't in the stadium, admittedly, for like 2012, Ace Sanders, the punt return against Georgia. Uh, but I've been in there for some loud moments. And, I mean, that that was as loud. I mean, the, the, the roof came off that place, dude. It was absolute pandemonium. And the coolest part was 
obviously during the turn, the return, immediately after the return, the place is shaking. But it was like a roar for five consecutive minutes just of people just pure pandemonium, right? Couldn't believe what happened. And then it bleeds right into sandstorm on the kickoff. And, I mean, that place, we've talked about it a lot before, JC and Phil, but when South Carolina – I'm not even saying he's going 10-2 and or ranking the top 10. When South Carolina is just playing well, though, uh, in those type of primetime games, Williams-Brice Stadium is is one of the most – I talked a lot about it last week. It's one of the most feared environments in college football. I mean, it, it, it was – I mean, just look at the false starts and the penalties on A&M. Like, obviously, Gamecock Nation played a huge role in that ball ballgame. Um, you know, when you look at the game as a whole, though, I mean, th- this team has found a formula of winning. It may not be the flashy, sexy way that we want to see South Carolina win with 500 yards of offense and Spencer Rattler throwing it all over the yard, but – Defense and special teams wins again. And and I, and I know people will look at that because it's so funny, guys. Right before I came on, I was just, uh, you know, I, I did myself the favor of looking through the comments. And, of course, they're about what I suspected about Marcus Satterfield and the OC and, and the offense of, as a whole. Right. I mean, and that's, that's, what, the comment, that's what the commentary is going to be until a change is made or until we start scoring 40 points per game. But what I love about this Gamecocks football team right now, you look at these two teams, for example, this weekend. You look at Mizzou and you can say, yeah, man, you know, they've lost a lot of close games and they're kind of right there. Maybe they're a little bit better than what their record says. But right now, their characteristic is they lose close games. Well, you know what South Carolina does? They win close games. That's what they're doing. They're finding ways to win. And I look Mm -hmm. at that more as the positive than the negative. Obviously, we all know the elephant in the room is the offense needs to improve. I actually, guys, believe it or not, left Saturday night a little bit encouraged by the offense that I feel like, or maybe this is just the, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid or it's the Garnet and Black blood pulsing through my veins, but I feel like that offensive breakout game is coming. I I do. Like, I feel like at some point the deep shots are going to hit. At some point they're going to connect. Marshawn Lloyd is going to keep doing his thing. I'm not even worried about that. The offensive line has improved. And I just find it hard to believe that that at some point Spencer Rattler is not going to have a Spencer Rattler game, right, where it's like, okay, there he is. There's the guy. That's what we thought we were going to see all season. Um, But, I mean, guys, I left that game giddy. I mean, how could you not? You know what I mean? I I don't – sometimes I think we can get lost in the details. And, and and listen, I'm not here to break down film. I'm not here to to do the X's and O's with you, man. I'm a fan just like so many of those tuned in. And I was nothing but a static and giddy. And, obviously, that's reflected by the the cigars we smoked at the tailgate and the commentary I've had all week long. Beamer ball to the freaking moon. I understand, and we all know, the offense has got to improve. It's got to come along. Shane Beamer knows that. Shane Beamer's not a fool. You know what I mean? He, he's not going to come out and publicly rip his OC, but he knows what needs to be fixed. But the bottom line is you're finding ways to win games. It doesn't matter how it looks. doesn't matter what facets you're using because right now it's heavily defense and special teams. You're finding ways to win, which is all we all care about, right? Now you sit here 5-2, and two, ranked in the top 25. Hey, tip the freaking cap, by the way, to the defense. We love talking offense. The commentary all week is offense, offense, offense. But I thought the way – that game could have gotten away from you in the third quarter, right? It's 17-14 to 14 at half. You know, you haven't done anything offensively. You felt like is A&M starting to snatch some momentum back? You know, I saw people at halftime tweeting, this second half will determine Marcus Satterfield's future. You know, <laughs> you felt like, again, A&M – was starting to seize momentum, and the Gamecocks' defense just refused to allow them to do so. And so I, I thought that was a huge story in the game also, and they kept you in it, kept you in it, kept you in it just long enough for the offense to finally put some drives together. And, you know, that final drive, eight plays, seven of the eight were running plays, and Marshawn Lloyd doing his thing. You know, guys, it kind of reminded me of, not exactly, but the 2013 UCF game when Mike Davis had like four carries in the first half, and you're like, what are we doing? 
Just give the ball to the running back. Spur got in the eye in the second right. half. Just right. It's like you were you were like outsmarting yourself. You know what I mean? It's like give it to Lloyd, man. <laughs> give no. it to Lloyd. Give so. the ball to Mike Davis, man. Just give it to the right, right. Our formation. Come on, shoot. Right. That was a, yeah, Spur, that was the game Spurrier yeah. like I think he had a hangover when he was saving a little bit oh, when he yeah, stayed yeah, in his yeah. show and everybody made a big deal of it. He comes to the press conference the next week. He's like, well, if I have a few beers after a game, just like any other coach, it's nobody's business. <laughs> exactly. hey. I love that. I respect, I love that. I respect it. Couple totally respect you. Yeah, Coors, Coors Light. Light. Coors Light with the pinky up. Why not? But yeah, all, all in all, guys, bottom line, I mean, it was – I've been giddy all week. I've been on cloud nine. I mean, you snapped the streak over A&M. You're five and two. You're a win away from a bowl game. You're ranked in the top 25. You've won four in a row. And you're at home for homecoming, and you're favored against Mizzou. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited. Now, obviously, again, your biggest concern, and when you look at it critically – your offense is probably going to have to pick you up at some point, right? You're not going to block a punt every game. You're not going to have a kickoff return. You're probably not going to have an interception run down to the five-yard line. There might come a game, and there probably will, where the offense will have to pick up the slack. Um, but, again, Beamer knows that. They all know that. And, uh, you know, you you would expect and hope adjustments will be made. But, man, I, I've been, as you can tell, again, I've, I've just been – I've been giddy, man. I've been giddy. It's – it's uh. Feels good to be good, as I've been saying all week. So this team's finding ways to win, though. I think that's the bottom line. Yeah, I, I think you know. Look, I, I've, I've made my opinion known about the offense and my thoughts on it and all that. I agree with your point too. And and you know, most of our guests, you know, and and, and the people we talk to, and, and we talk about this all the time on the show too, uh, Chris. They kind of we're all kind of in the same position. It's like you know, yeah, there's issues. Okay, but. Just like you said, the Spencer Rattler breakout game's probably coming. Um, and I, you know, that that unfortunately Jalen Brooks hadn't dropped any passes all year. You know, he comes down with that one. That's 60 more yards and a 60 yeah. yard touchdown. And you yeah. know, maybe it's the yardage looks a little different. And and also uh, Keith also pointed this out earlier in the week. There are a lot of hidden yards in that game. You know, Carolina got a hundred yards on a kickoff return. They got 50 <laughs> yard, 45 yards on an interception return. Yeah. You know, so you, you add those to the 286 total yards, and, and, and you know, Carolina did uh, amass some yardage. I, I I think the other thing about the offense I found positive was, okay, 17-14, we need a touchdown drive, and they went and got it. Yeah. You know, yeah. 24-21, you need a touchdown drive, you went and got it. Yeah. You know, and I thought that was a horrendous spot on on the final play where a and or the final uh, – play where Marshawn went out of bounds. <clears throat> yeah. uh, if they would have reviewed that, it could have probably been overturned. Uh, you could question whether or not they needed to kick the field goal on fourth down yeah. or not. But, uh, you know, and I think that's what winning teams do. When we talk about learning how to win, you know, is when you need something, it happens. You know, it's not always consistent, not always pretty. And look, man, when this program has been winning, uh, some of their best seasons have featured some ugly wins. You go all the way back to 1984, man. Uh, a very average Notre Dame team had Carolina down. They came back and won by four. NC State had them down by 25 or something. They came back and won. Uh, it's not always pretty uh, when this yeah. program wins, but that is the point that they win. All right, so Missouri, uh, you know, I don't want to sit here next week and talk about losing four straight to Missouri. I just don't. No. I, I think I think that's a program South Carolina needs to beat more often than not. That's, <clears throat> some people will say that sounds crazy, but uh, – I just think South Carolina most years uh, should have better players, better coaches, better teams than Missouri. 
that hasn't been the case. Eli Drinkwitz has sort of owned the Gamecocks. They, Carolina owes them. Uh, the matchup I'm looking at, you know, in this game, once again, just like, just like the last two weeks, Chris, South Carolina's defensive line versus the Missouri offensive line. This is the third straight week. I think that matchup clearly favors South Carolina. Yeah, no, I think so as well. And, I mean, we, we posted the stat this morning about uh, – and I think a lot of it plays into their offensive line, but Brady Cook, his his splits, and, you know, he hadn't been very good this year. You look at him on the road, zero touchdowns, five interceptions. And I think that plays very well for a South Carolina secondary that's playing uh, extremely well. You know, obviously we know Cam Smith. Darius Rush is playing outstanding football. You know, you factor in Dial, DQ Smith in the back end, Devonnie Reed, all those guys. The list goes on and on. But, yeah, that defensive front, I mean, again, I think they've got an opportunity to take advantage and take over a football game yet again. Um, I, I don't worry about the Mizzou passing attack as much. It's the rushing attack you look at. I think Pete's a good player. Uh, Schrader's been a good player for them. Schrader's their team in rushing touchdowns. You have four rushing touchdowns on the season. So they got a, they got a nice one-two punch. And for whatever reason, Mizzou, it feels like, has, has been able to run the football over the years against Carolina. I, I, I mean, you look at last year, which was – in an excusable game across the board. I think we all agree. We don't need to really reflect on it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would expect South Carolina's defensive front, and I think the defense as a whole, really, to have a field day. Um, now, I did pick the over, the total in this game, and it's, it, you know, it's I, I, just because I feel like when South Carolina and Mizzou play, wacky things happen. So I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if some out-of-the-ordinary things happen on both sides for both teams. But, uh, no, I, I think this is a, a day, JC. You're absolutely right. I think your defensive front – and, man – I tell you, I, I was really critical and harsh of guys like Jordan Birch and Zach Pickens. And I think a lot of folks were just sitting there before the season saying, clamoring for, all right, hey, you're these five-star guys. Let's see you do it. Let's see it pan out. And I want to give credit to those guys, man. Jordan Birch has been playing with a guy's hair on fire. Zach Pickens has been a beast in the middle. Uh, and then all those guys. I mean, Jimmy Lindsey's squad has just – they've been taking over games. They've been taking over games, bottom line. And that's why you're seeing – you know, guys like Sherrod Green benefit in the secondary be able to feast and, and make the plays they're making, right? Quarterbacks are under duress. You didn't have any sacks against AM, but you had, I think, almost double-digit quarterback pressures. You're in Haynes King's face all night long. We talked to Anthony Tresha, Pro Football Focus, yesterday, and he was just talking about the pressures that South Carolina was creating. So um, it's not all about just the sack number, right, guys? If you're able to get in the backfield and live there and make the opposing quarterback uncomfortable, you know, it goes without saying, but good things are going to happen. So I would expect another big day from those guys. Uh, I think as long as you're able to slow down the run game like you have the last two weeks, because, again, they've got some good players back there, I, I don't see Brady Cook as a guy that's going to go out there and throw for 300 to beat you, especially not on not on this South kind of secondary. So, um, yeah, I mean, J.C., again, to your point, I, I would expect the the creatures, as Jimmy Lindsay labels them, to take over yet again. Yeah, even Pickens is playing great. Talk of Hemingway, uh, the right place at the right time. Nor I called him Eric Norwood-esque. Because he's always around. I mean, it just seems he's yeah. always around the ball, you know, yeah. all that good stuff. I, you know, you look at it. Schrader scares me because he's a guy that's kind of like on a mission. Mm -hmm. He, uh, you know, Pete, their other backs a Stanford transfer. You know, he's played big time right. football, Pac 12, whatever. This kid's from, transferred in. He's a fifth year guy uh, from Truman State, which is, I think, a D2 school where he set yeah. a bunch of records. Uh, St. Louis kid, probably his whole life wanted to play for Missouri. Uh, six carries for 89 yards against Georgia. Um, averages 5.3 yards per carry, 8.9 yards per reception. Came in against Vandy because Pete was ineffective. Uh, rushed for 84 yards on 14 carries. I, that's the type of guy 
that I would be concerned about because, you know, you look at, and he's not the starter. Pete is. So right. you're like, Oh, we got to stop Pete. But then, you know, this is a guy that obviously gives them a spark yeah. uh, on offense. I think, I think Carolina's got to be careful mm-hmm. uh, yeah. there. Okay. So Pete Limbo and his unit, I think, uh, or units, you know, I, yeah. I, the question was posed, is he the best special teams coordinator in college football? I'd, yeah. I'd be, I'd be hard pressed to find someone that was as good. What, what yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I and I, I've said this the last two years, and you know, when you have the statistics to back it up, I don't know how you could say anybody else. I mean, again, you still lead the country in block punts, and you look at the way special teams is impacting the game. Um, you know, every single preseason, I'll continue to do it, right? Because I, I feel like a lot of people overlook special teams. It's not the sexiest thing to talk about in the world, right? Not, not a lot of folks want to want to sit around and drink a beer and talk about the punter for thirty minutes. So, I, and I understand that. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's such an underappreciated facet. And, guys, if you're able to win two out of three facets, doesn't really matter what they are. If you can win two out of three facets on a consistent basis, you're going to put yourself in a good position to win a lot of football games. And I've, I've said it the last two preseasons, and I'll probably just say it every single preseason, that, you know, I, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but you feel confident that with Shane Beamer and, and Pete Limbo and the emphasis they put on special teams, you know, it's it's – you're going to feel like you've got the best coached special teams unit in all of college football, or at least in the SEC, I'd say, at minimum. Uh, and, guys, I, I think when you look at special teams, you know, I think back to when Steve Spurrier was in, was in Columbia and, and Shane Beamer was on staff. And and you noticed a lot of time they had their best players on special teams. I, I remember hearing – I don't remember when this was, if he was on our show or somebody else, but Pat DeMarco was talking about it. And he would he would be on special teams. And, and, and he was talking about the guys that were alongside him. And these are like legends, you know, but as freshmen – they're all out there. The, 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 you know, I, I heard somebody say one time, the special teams stars of today, they're the stars of tomorrow. They're like the everyday starters of tomorrow. And I, what really stood out to me on Saturday night, yeah, and I posted a clip this morning, but the Leggett kickoff return was was awesome, right? And, and what Marshawn Lloyd did at running back, it's awesome. But I saw Xavier Leggett make a touchdown, or, or excuse me, make a tackle on punt coverage. I saw Marshawn Lloyd make a tackle on punt coverage. And I'm yeah. like – especially like Lloyd, it's like these are guys that the fact that you have that level of buy-in, you know what I mean, like that, that, and you got your best players wanting to play special teams. And then the guys, you know, like a guy like King Dominion Ford, I think that's his name, right, that had the block at Kentucky and and other guys that maybe aren't every down players, they're playing with this tenacity and this relentless effort. and um, You know, because I feel like a lot of special teams is a want-to thing. I mean, it's yeah. just an emphasis thing. It's a mm-hmm. that's why the coaching is so important. So, uh, you know, people can brush it off if you want, and but that was one of my biggest takeaways, guys. Or that was probably my biggest takeaway from the game Saturday night is that I mean this in the most complimentary way. This is such a Beamer team. Like when I think of Frank Beamer, Virginia Tech, the lunch pail, defense, gritty, tough, resilient. That's how we're winning now. I mean, obviously, I want to see us score fifty a game like everybody else, and I'm sure Beamer. They want to be dynamic offensively, but you know the way we're winning right now—it's just kind of ironic. It's—it's just—it's got Shane Beamer's fingerprints and that Beamer ball fingerprint all over it. Obviously, again, you got to tip your cap to Pete Limbo and what he's doing on the special team side. And you know, it's—it's obvious they're obvious they're putting hella emphasis on it and they're putting their best players out there. And again, for me, guys, to see the buy-in from those guys, the guys like Leggett, Lloyd, and your starters, and guys are like, I'm not too good to play special. It's. It's being looked at as like I want to play special teams. I want to be part of special teams. That that to me that stands out in regard to the culture and the buy-in and a lot of the stuff we talk about when we talk about Shane Beamer and the program he's building. Yeah, Florida. Probably the last time in the SEC, I really thought, 
you know, it looked when dang, they got really good specialties. It was Florida when Urban was there and he coached the the teams and they had a lot of big time players. Your Chris Rainey's and guys like that. Also, you made a great point here, Chris, that, that I've I've thought about a lot, you know, over the years. Alabama, if you kind of look, you know, that they're obviously good on special teams uh because they got a lot of good players. Landon Collins and Minka Fitzpatrick, when they were freshmen, both yep. were on punt block and blocked mm-hmm. punts and returned them and all that. And then look, look, look how they became superstars. You know, yep. they're yep. both uh, both in the league. So I, mean, I feel like that's that's ideal, right? Is yeah. to have the level of depth where, like, you know, your freshmen don't have to jump in there immediately and then go make plays on special teams. Like exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and as this program continues to build, I think I think that's exactly what you're going to see. Right. Right. Um, all right, Chris. Well, predictions coming tomorrow on the Spurs Up Show, and uh, we will see. Uh, we'll see you here in uh, on, on your show here at about one fifteen, buddy. Yeah, we'll talk at one fifteen again. I'll just say this prediction for tomorrow, but I, I, I'm extremely confident. I'm ecstatic. I'm excited. Another sellout. Willie B will be rocking, and uh, I, I think I, I understand jaded fan base. Right, we've we've been through it, but I'm not going to let let what happened in 1997 to affect my thinking going into this game. I'm just going to put it that way. I, I think that uh, you know I don't want to say I'm drinking the Kool Aid or, or riding too high or what have you, but I, I think there's a lot of reasons for Gamecock fans to feel very, very confident in a home game, homecoming, sold-out environment. I think there's a lot of reasons to be to be confident in this one. Yeah. So, anyways, JC, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah. I'm pumped. So. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. Well, hey, yeah, talk to you about 115, bud. JC, Thanks. Phil, always a pleasure. We'll talk soon. Appreciate yes, y'all. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. High energy with Chris Phillips. I, I just keep saying that every time he comes on. You know, it is. It's it a, a high energy. He's, always he's excited and happy. Yeah. Uh, Ah, it was a little bit different. So, some people, I mean, I'm a little nervous, but uh, it kind of reminds me of the 2016 Missouri game. Uh, South mm-hmm. Carolina had defeated, pulled a massive upset over Tennessee. Uh, Missouri's coming in the next day. They weren't very good, kind of like Missouri's not very good this year. Uh, but still, you're like wondering if Carolina, and Carolina won that game, 31-21. It also was a 4 p.m. kickoff. Um, mm-hmm. So that's it. Uh, got some chat box to, to catch up with John. As JC, you and Mike Morgan have talked about uh, volcano programs. Colorado was one that went from dominant natty winner to absolutely dormant, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Yeah, I think there's a lot of like D. D he, they first of all they went to the Pac-12, and that was that's good for their university culturally. Uh, I think it kind of hurt them in recruiting Big Twelve wise, uh, you know, because you don't there, there's nothing you can offer a kid from Los Angeles like you used to, that's different than UCLA, for example, or Washington. Um, and I, I just don't, I don't know that their administration emphasizes it enough like it, like they used to, but it, 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 and I, I'd like to, I, I'll talk to Mike about this. We'll, we'll have this on the next JC and Morgan. Uh, is Colorado a volcano program? I don't know. I think maybe it was one that had its heyday, but I, but maybe it is. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what, JC? Let's uh let's hit the break because uh, we we got Brad waiting in the wings already. Oh, so Brad's already there. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. all right. I'm gonna catch up on all. We're at thirty minutes behind the chat box. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna scroll it forward. If I missed anything, guys, that, that like are big, uh, you know, like big um big questions you have, pl- please please like uh, after Brad put them back in or something. Uh, if it's just questions, but you guys, it looks like there's just a lot of chatting going on over here and that's cool. But, uh, if, if it's direct questions for me and Phil, be sure to repost those and we'll get to those after Brad Crawford. This is, this is going to be good. Brad texted me today and said, 
Looking forward to coming on the show. I got some stuff about Satterfield and the offense. So I'm excited to hear this just as a person that follows Carolina football. So I know you mm-hmm. guys will be excited too. Brad Crawford coming up after the break inside the Game Costa show. We'll be right back. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting 
nanasporch.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. What's up? This is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecocks Show with JC and Phil. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. J.C. Sherbert and Phil Mullinax. We get our stuff together here. We're joined by Brad Crawford on the McKellar Enterprises guest line. Brad, good to have you back on the show. Uh, Brad, that chair, man. I, I, think I, thought, I thought you had a costume old. I, I saw your uh, you and your wife's costume last night. Uh, yeah, man. Epic so, Disney, you know. She, she was fairy godmother. I was the beast that had already transformed back into the prince. So yeah, I, I noticed the beast outfit. So I was like, man, that's that's. I know you guys like Disney. I'm I'm going in uh, day after Christmas on my birthday myself, heading back. The, to the busiest world, week so. of the year in Orlando. Have fun. Yeah, yeah taking right. my niece, my niece, <laughs> for, my niece. The whole game down there too. Hey, yeah, I'm kind of got got my fingers crossed a little bit about that because Jacksonville, yeah. Tampa, even. Dare I say the Citrus Bowl? That, right. that could all that could all work out. But my niece is four; she's never been. My, my mom's, you know, kind of watching her, raising her, whatever. So I, 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 I told them in June. I was like, "All right, we're going. Let's get it." So we're going. Art yeah. of Animation Resort, all that thing. So should be cool. Doing it big. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Go going big. Go big or go home. I, yeah, I, I like it. So uh, so anyway, we've talked, uh, and uh, you've got some information. And, uh, you know, some things to say. Uh, and so I'm going to just kind of, me and Phil are going to throw you the questions. And you can, first of all, Marcus Satterfield. That's been the dominant point of discussion on our show all week on the BigSpur.com, Gamecock Twitter, uh, wherever. So Marcus Satterfield, I'm going to tee you up and let you run with it. Yeah, I want to start just by saying, JC, that Shane Beamer, I think, has done a marvelous job this season, keeping this team together, focused really since that week three loss to Georgia. The season could have really gone sideways after that. The Gamecocks responded in a big way. To me, that shows that he can handle, you know, the, the toughest factor in, in being a head coach at the SEC level. That's keeping the heads of 18, 19, 20-year-old student athletes in the game. This is the second straight season that South Carolina seems to be hitting its stride in some fashion during the second half of the schedule. And to me, that's a sign of a good football team. But, you know, that being said, the elephant in the room is this offense and I think Shane's going to have to make a tough call here in about a month or so with his approach offensively in 2023 and beyond. I've always said that Marcus Satterfield will be reevaluated when the season's over. He's on the last year of a two-year deal that he signed when, when Shane was hiring his staff. And there have been things that have shown me the offense is headed in the wrong direction before these two second-half performances against UK and A&M. So, JC, you and I have talked in sort of – off the air about this a lot. And it's not really the play calling to me. It's just knowing when to feed your best players. Shane Beamer has alluded to this several times. The offense, to me, it, it needs a full-scale makeover. This isn't a Texas A&M situation where there's, you know, widespread finger-pointing within every personnel group. But I do think Satterfield needs to adjust a bit for this thing to really hit the levels it can over these last five games of the season. This offense has turned it over 17 times already. That's number 124 nationally. Uh, 23 points a game against Power 5 opponents. Trim that down to 21 points a game if you take away the kickoff return from Leggett against AM. So to me, I think Satterfield might be caught up in who he is as a play caller too much. You know, he, he seems a bit rigid in his reluctancy to 
alter this scheme in a way to, you know, get the ball in the hands of these playmakers, let them do their thing. You know, college football, as we've seen the last eight to ten years, has really transformed into a individual player matchup game. And my advice would be, you know, not to put these players in a box and and be handcuffed to this this pro style NFL type scheme we've seen and just simplify things for the quarterback and the talent around him. And so, yeah, South Carolina's got playmakers. Juice right. Wells, to me, uh, you, you kind of look and, you know, he has the quietest uh, 27, 30 catches in the country. Uh, yeah. had a, I thought he had a break. And, it, and it's funny, the, the big contention I have is you see it, you've seen it through for 20 games now. A guy will have a big game. And the next week he'll be gone. I mean, Juju McDowell last year saves the East Carolina game, doesn't get a touch against Georgia the next week. It's strange, uh, yeah. And, and it's, it's it is it's bizarre to me. Uh, and I and can make some. Go ahead. Uh, something say, that, yeah. that, oh, you go ahead. Sorry about that. I was going to say yeah. If and if this team's offensive identity is running the football, as as Marcus has said the last couple of weeks, then you have to live and die by running the football. I think the last three seasons at the NFL level for Satterfield prior to coming to Columbia, maybe altered his mindset a little bit, and he's still trying to find that rhythm, you know, back in the college game. But like you said, it's been 20 games. You know, he's 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 called plays in college before at various spots with success. You know, but, but sometimes the last few Saturdays, you kind of just scratch your head as to what's going on out there offensively. You know, Satterfield mentioned last week, in fact, that if it was up to him, Jaheim Bell would get 20 to 25 touches a game. Well, it is up to him. You know, he's the offensive coordinator and he's getting paid nine hundred thousand dollars a year to be innovative and, and find ways to get Jaheim Bell the football. So whether plays are designed to go to him and and they've broken down, and, you know, zero hadn't touched the football. It just doesn't look like Jaheim Bell. His his number is being called as much as it should this season. I'll, I'll say this too, and then I'll, I'll kick it to Phil here for point number two. Here's something, Dab. I'm gonna go take you back to 2010. Yeah. Uh, during the Clemson South Carolina game, and I got this on good accord. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, and and you remember what happened at the end of that season? They fired Billy Napier and, and brought in Chad Morrison and elevated their program. Uh, and I think you know Billy wasn't running anything super complex, but it was it was kind of a hodge. But I mean, same thing you see at Florida now. Um, and he, he looked and he goes, you see how South Carolina's getting the ball to their playmakers? Because uh, they, you know, as Alshon Jeffrey caught that pass, twirled around with the end zone and right. and all that. And and Steven was finding DeMarco and, and all that good stuff. He says, he's like, well, that's what we need to do. We need to get the ball to our playmakers. You watch Clemson's offense uh, through the championship run, even today. And it's, it's a lot different. Uh, same scheme, but they run it a lot differently than they did under, under Morris. Uh, and they do. They find their guys. Will Shipley's hot. They're going to give the ball to Will Shipley. You know, they got a receiver that's catching uh, some passes downfield, whether it's Antonio Williams as a freshman or whoever, they get the ball to it. You know, DJ's running well. You know, they're going to run DJ. Um, and it's a college offense. Uh, I've never heard anything bad about Clemson's scheme. Like, this is tough to learn. I mean, they've had it for, you know, 10 years now, and it's evolved and, and, and stuff like that. But you know, I, I think you're right. I think that, you know, that 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 what Dabo said and what I was told Dabo said on the headset during that game has always stuck to with me. And I, I think I think it's the key to college football offense. I mean, you and South Carolina, the shame of it is they do have good players uh this year. I mean, this is not like last season where you're it's like, well, you got Josh Van and uh maybe dot dot dot, you know, uh, in my opinion. All right, Phil. 
Yeah, well, I mean, that, and that leads into this, you know, Brad, I, I, a lot has been made of, you know, identity this year on offense. And, you know, what are we, who are we, you know, <laughs> and I know I saw a tweet from you saying that Marshawn Lloyd is the identity of this offense because everything yeah. runs through him. I mean, you know, and that really is it. But I mean, what philosophy uh, and identity are we going to need, you know, again, kind of like JC just said, it was like, you just want to run something that's a college offense. I mean, these guys aren't, this isn't a full-time job for them. They only get a limited amount of time. So what do you do there? I went back this week, guys, and, and charted, you know, the first seven weeks of, of offense for Marcus Satterfield this season. He's actually been a lot less predictable than most of us, including myself, assumed. But I think in key, like, third down situations, it's it's highly noticeable. Red zone opportunities, some of the decisions have been uh, – you know, shoddy at best, and I don't. I don't think the got the Gamecocks have always been put in the best position to be successful offensively. And as you mentioned, JC, there, there's playmakers out there that just have to touch the football more. And moreover, this this wide receiver rotation to me continues to be a little bit puzzling. Now, I'm I'm not at practice. I don't I don't see these six or seven guys in this rotation perform every week. But it just seems with so much lack of consistency you know, from the current starters at that position that you would like to see more more guys get reps like a Josh Van or a Juice Wells. I mean, Wells had a monster game in September and then has been a ghost several weeks since. To carry on, Joyner basically doesn't even play for this team anymore. He gets so, you know, you know a few snaps. So, you know, during, during this four-game winning streak, it's very easy to say that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But this offense is clearly struggling in, in certain positions, wide out being – the primary one, in my opinion, and has been throughout the season. Yeah, it really yeah. is. A, it's odd to see, like, Wells go off the field on a third down. And, yeah. you know, and then you're talking out of both sides of your mouth when you're like, well, we don't want it to be predictable when Jaheim's in the game. Well, if you're only putting him in there for 13 snaps a game like you've done for the past two weeks, then it gets pretty darn predictable. And then half of those snaps are like at, at some sort of halfback hybrid right. position. That, that's yeah. just strange. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I thought, uh, you know, I've, I've always been under the uh, opinion that Jaheim Bell's not a tight end. Okay. Uh, I, I think he's a guy you use a tight end some and you use him at F receiver. So like the bowl game last year, they used him at F receiver. That's their right. slot. Right. Um, and, and I was told by a pretty good contact that, all year long, that's where they thought, you know, some of the members of the coach test thought, thought that's where Jaheim belonged. And then you kind of move him around, right? Well, you saw what happened, uh, you know, in the bowl game, you know. Uh, and the reason he was at that F position is because DeCarion was a quarterback. And so then in the offseason, you know, this this hasn't just been J.C. Sherbert sitting there going, Jaheim's not a tight end. Marcus Satterfield said it. Yeah. He's not a tight end. He's a – where did the wide back thing go? I mean, out the window. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so I, uh, I I agree. 13 snaps for him is uh, – He's more – He's more Brian Edwards. Yeah, I mean, he's he's more Brian Edwards than he is Brock Bowers. Yes. A lot yeah. of us kind of confuse that sometimes. I mean, Jaheim has a great body. He, he has a wide catch radius, but he's not Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers is, is a prototypical, you know, first-round mm -hmm. NFL tight end. And and Jaheim's more of a, you know, more more versatile playmaker. I do like – I will say, well, I do like that they're going – trying to get Stogner downfield isolated one-on-one. Yeah. -on -one. I think uh, in the Kentucky game, Spencer just threw 
a bad pass. That that would have been a field goal at least because I think Stodner gets that at a better throw ball. But you know, I, I like seeing them build on that against A and M. Uh, speaking of Spencer Rattler, you know, your take on – I know he's probably not playing as well as everybody thought. I, I think he's had some wow moments. I think, right. you know, one stat I read is he's really – he's pretty good on third down and especially third and long uh, at converting uh, A&M. You know, of course, Carolina was eight for 16 on third down. But your take on Spencer and sort of um, how he's tried to yeah. fit into this offense this year. Yeah, I think one thing Gamecock fans need to sort of be – uh, wary of is at, at this point in the season, the, there's so many Twitter accounts and stories from analytics gurus and scouting services that are out there that, you know, you, you can watch a quarterback, JC, go go 10 for 20 in a game, no touchdowns and a pick, yet the numbers tell you that he had a solid performance. I mean, that, that, that's kind of what I've been reading out of, out of Rattler this season. I'm, I'm going by what my eyes have told me about the former OU quarterback. He hasn't been the player that most everyone thought he'd be through seven games but I don't think the Gamecocks offense has been stunted uh, because of Spencer. Um, I, I look the numbers up. He doesn't have a single 200-yard zero turnover game yet after having eight of those in, in half of his starts at OU, basically one every two games essentially. Part of that falls on Marcus Satterfield. You you blame the coach, not the player, when, when the scheme's not fitting. So personally, I don't think Rattler has made uh, quick enough reads this fall. You know, he's sort of been locked onto a guy pre-snap too often. That's that's why kind of you've seen him dance around so much when that first read's covered up. He rolls to his left or right, and then kind of the play breaks down. You know, some some good things have happened as a result. Jalen Brooks almost had a touchdown catch on that really great 50-yard throw to the end zone Saturday night, but didn't didn't happen. But, you know, Satterfield's passing game revolves around timing. This is an NFL offense, like we've all mentioned, guys getting open quickly, throwing guys open at times. That's what this NFL-based scheme is designed for. I don't think Rattler is the quarterback to run that with precision, and that's not a knock on his skill set at all. I think he's a future pro quarterback, but I just think in a more open college scheme like he ran at OU, you would see more successful numbers from Spencer at this point. I definitely – I'm Brad, I'm so happy you said that because <laughs> then I don't have to say it, you know. Uh, but I, I, I thought that for a while. And, and so, so I watched – the bears a lot because I have to, which is like watching paint dry on offense. Sometimes um, Justin Fields gets put in last man. Matt Nagy actually reminds me a little of Marcus Satterfield. If, if we're being honest, I, I, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just saying, uh, please don't bring up anything I've tweeted about Matt Nagy and send it to Marcus. Cause I don't, I don't want that to happen, but yeah, I forgot you got the block hammer from Sat. Yeah, dude. That's awesome. I don't know why, man. I just, I just, it's, it, that. Well, it, there's other people. I mean, that, that I've got, I think Keith got it. Uh, so we, we got, we got the, it's a badge of honor, I think sometimes, but uh, it, you know, you, you watch a great quarterback in college, like Justin Fields, who was in, Ohio State's offense, you know, obviously, uh, I don't think – and you watched, you watched him kind of never did a whole lot in Georgia's offense, which is more of the, on the other direction. Ohio State, he's up and down the field, hitting – yeah, you know, throwing for – I mean, you know, big-time big draft pick, right? And, and, and he gets to the NFL, and it's not necessarily – like in college, sometimes it's athletically you got to get better as a yeah. freshman. You, know, you got to get stronger. You got to get faster. These guys in NFL, these rookies have been in college. They're athletically, they can get out there and compete. There's not very little, you know, physical development that takes place at the pro level. So why do they struggle? Well, <laughs> 
It's for the reasons you mentioned. Spencer Rattler's performance this year reminds me of a rookie quarterback in the NFL. That that's what flashes of flashes of brilliance at times. Generally, you know, needs to keep processing faster. Uh, and, yeah. and I think I think that's fine if it's the National Football League, but this is Southeastern Conference. You know, you you have to you have to you have to win. Your job's not to be a farm team for an NFL franchise. He was trying to win games. Up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you got You got to win games, and, it, and it, it's sad that you know South Carolina does have a guy like Wells, and does have a Josh Van who hasn't called a whole lot. Does have Jalen Brooks who's improved. Um, Xavier Leggett's not really involved in the passing game. You know, you have running backs. You have Juju McDowell uh, back there that you could really design some stuff for. We've mentioned Bell. You've got Stogner. You got an offensive line that's finally playing. You know, some some decent football. Um, and so I agree with you there. Well, your thoughts on this Missouri game this weekend, and then we'll get you out of here, Brad. Yeah, seeing that line open at five points was uh, that that worried me a little bit, JC. I I think the Gamecocks are at least a touchdown better than Mizzou right now. But having watched a lot of Mizzou football because of this national job I have at twenty four seven, that that front seven defensively is very good. It's it's one of the better ones the Gamecocks have played all season. And I, I think it's a game that that Shane's wary of as well. I mean, this is a you know first game as a nationally ranked team in in four years. Missouri doesn't have a signature win yet. Drinkwitz, you know, before that win against Vanderbilt last week, had he lost that Vandy game, then we're talking about him possibly being fired before Brian Harson had Auburn. I mean, it's, it's wow. that bad right now. So, yeah. uh, Missouri's a game that keeps every every game uh, competitive. And South Carolina has had trouble over the years kind of putting Mizzou away, has lost three straight in that series. I do think South Carolina wins this game this weekend. But if I'm having to put money on it, which I have, I'm, I'm taking Mizzou in five points because I, I think it'll be a typical, you know, midway through the fourth quarter, 81,000 and Williams-Brice are going to be, oh, man, this this could go bad here in a few minutes. Yeah, in Missouri and South Carolina as a series that's usually – like that, yeah, and you get some unexpected things. Be, be it uh, a missed field goal in overtime, or uh, you know, a a, a monsoon. Well, let, me, let me give you a quick story about yeah. that, um, that 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 missed field goal overtime. Connor Shaw win. Me, me, and my dad were actually at Universal in Orlando that night. We we got back to the hotel early to watch the Mizzou game, and he had to leave the room in overtime because he was so nervous. Mm. And so I start screaming, and he hears me out in the hallway. What happened? And I said, you won't believe it. He missed the kick. And he just ah, he, missed he it. Yeah. Him, yeah. I, I thought South Carolina was losing that game oh, yeah. until yeah. that ball hit the upright. Because yeah, I mean, Connor was like puking on the sidelines, basically, and couldn't play, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's it, dude, that was just crazy win. And the the monsoon game with Skardekia where Todd yeah. Ellis's uh, – Mark Ways down to the 25 years old. Oh, hurt me. Uh, and they won it on a field goal. I thought they were losing that day, too. And then the rains came, and Sherrod Green, who's still here, had a uh, pick six. Crazy, yeah. You know, last year was kind of a, a crazy game. I mean, it, so, so when these two teams get together, that definitely happens. South Carolina is due against Drinkwitz and is due against Missouri. I, I told our other guest earlier, I was like, I don't want to be sitting here talking about losing four straight to Mizzou. There's no right. reason. There's no yeah, – yeah, that, that's just – that would be a – they would, they would, they would become the next Kentucky. Season. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this has been a streak-breaking season. You beat A&M, you beat Kentucky, have a chance to end a streak against Mizzou. So, should be a big game. Should, should be. All right, Brad, we appreciate mm-hmm. you joining us. As always, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, lot, everybody, everybody's read your stuff on 24-7 Sports, and we'll have you back soon, buddy. 
Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thanks, Brad. Brad Crawford, bringing the truth. Love it. Love it. Man, that's going to – man. Uh, that's going to – a lot of people are going to watch that on the on the back clip there. Uh, but, going, hey, but he's absolutely – It's going to stoke some fires too. But, I mean, he's right. You know, I mean, it's just it, – it's mind-boggling. You know, it really is sometimes. What yeah. goes on, and we're winning in spite of ourselves, yeah. in spite of our offense. Mm-hmm. Back to the chat box, Lady Bree says, I've never heard one player say it was too complicated, just hard. But do they like that or not like it? Reno said, Hard to learn, hard to stop. Ah, I don't know about hard to stop, <laughs> I, you know, and, and, and all that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I've heard it from some, some folks. I mean, it, it is, and you know, I, I just you know, overly complicated things. I've never been a fan, Phil, and this is anywhere, okay? This isn't just at South Carolina, okay? Unless you have, like, Alabama-level talent, and even Alabama has evolved, uh, I think the NFL-style offenses, uh, as we think of them, uh, are, 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 are it's really a different ballgame up there. Because everybody's so good. You know, in college, what you want to do is you pick on individual players. And like Brad said, it's a matchup game. You know, we've got better players than you. We're going to put our, you know, stud receiver and get him in a matchup against your terrible, you know, corner. (laughs) They can't play dead in the movie, can't cover a bucket of water. Um, And we're going to score a touchdown, you know, or we're going to line up with our offensive line and blow yours off the ball and all that. It's not. You know, and look, the timing-based passing game is, you know, Steve Spurrier ran timing-based passing game. I mean, that's that's common in college, but when it gets to that pro kind of throwing guys open, stuff like that, you know, I think I think that's, that's difficult for anybody uh, at this level. And, you know, I understand, hey, you could sell it and say, well, you'll be prepared when you get to the NFL, but it's exactly the same thing as the South Carolina defense under the previous staff. That's I was exa- I was going to say the exact same thing. I was like, we do not need to pigeonhole ourselves as a farm team to develop individual talent for the league ahead. Yeah, Period. I mean, you know, look, who puts Ohio State puts as much? Ohio State has a former NFL coach as a head coach too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ohio State puts a lot, plenty of guys in the NFL that do great. Look at their system. It's 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 a lot like uh, it's just it's kind of just an air raid. To be honest, I mean, you know, they just go up and down the field. Alabama is pro style, but look, man, I uh, and Keith has a source on this, and I have a source on this. Uh, Bill O'Brien, has, you know, it's they just kind of it, it's like learning a foreign language, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Bill O'Brien's got the flashcards up for French. You know, yes is we, oui. no <laughs> is no, hello is bonjour, right? And uh, Marcus Satterfield's skipping all the way to like French two hundred one conversational this is putting them in there yeah yeah i mean you know there's a reason why in college football you see all these teams like hold up poster boards with emojis and clowns and and stuff like that uh to call in plays and 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 all and then it's been documented south carolina's plays are some of them are seven eight words long and it's just like that's hard the bill o'brien point i mean you know even what they're doing in alabama right now doesn't look it's not a mirror image of what he was running in at, at houston no, not at all. I mean, you can't do it. Mean, even like I'll I'll go the other way. Cliff Kingsbury doesn't run the same thing with the yeah. Arizona Cardinals as he as he did at Texas Tech. It's it's all a hybrid because you have to have different things and different packages up there to compete. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. That's why Steve Spurrier did not do well. And his offense didn't really do all that well in the national football league uh, because probably to run his stuff with success, he had to have somebody besides Shane Matthews and Danny Werfel at that level running it, you know, uh, and he, he needed a great quarter. He didn't have just a good quarterback, a great quarterback. And, and that's why those guys are – why is Peyton, why was Peyton Manning so successful? Because Peyton Manning could rip off an eight-word cadence in Omaha and all that stuff and get you in the right play. And, 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 do, and that's much more what that game is about. College is more about athletes on athletes, matchups. How are we going to exploit you here, there, and yonder? And I, I honestly, you know – the, the question I have for all you out there, and then we'll get to break and come back and, and wrap this up, wrap the show up today, uh, is do you ever get the sense uh, in through 20 games that, that South Carolina is trying to exploit a matchup? Jamie Bradford and I talked about this last year, you know, because he watches all the games on replay if he goes or watches it. He said, not, not, not once did an announcer ever say, hey, they're, they've got this matchup working. You know, yeah, for they them, they it up, or yeah, yeah they, yeah, they yeah. draw a circle around the guy up here, you know, and they're like, Look, this guy now we got, you know, we got a yeah, six, seven tight end on a you know, <laughs> that's what, yeah, yeah, right here, boom, linebacker, you know, yeah, the <laughs> telestrator. That's and that's what Spurrier was. I mean, there's 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 the old story in LSU, uh, I've told this before, the LSU corner sitting there on toward the boundary where Spurrier's standing, and he hears Coach Spurrier say at Florida. Uh, hey, throw it to this guy right here. Hey, Danny, hey, throw it to this guy. And he's like, what, are you kidding me? And sure enough, it's an out pattern. He completes it. Because he, he he was a master at looking and going, all right, this defensive player is not very good. We, we're going to match. And and sometimes it would take him a little while. I mean, he those of them were around in the 90s when, when you know, Florida would come to town. Carolina would usually start off pretty good. You know, Brad Scott was a pretty good offensive game planner. Carolina go down the field and score. They get a stop, you know, first. But everybody's fired up. And then the next thing you know, Spurrier's sitting there and he realizes Shane Burnham's at middle linebacker. Ooh. <laughs> Not the fleetest of foot, right, Phil? No. Uh. <laughs> and so the next thing you know, there'd be some motion or shift or something and uh, Jabbar Gaffney or, or, or Jaquez Green or uh, name your Florida receiver would be matched up with Shane Burnham one-on-one somehow. Touchdown Gators. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. and then, then, the you know, next thing you know, it's 50 to 21. So that's, uh, that's, that's what they do. And I, you know, I just, I don't know, man, I, that, that there's, there's a lot of questions, but I certainly appreciate Brad coming on and, uh, talking with us about that. And he did a really good job preparing for that segment, obviously. So really fired up about that. And those that missed it, you can always catch it on video, uh, on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the big spur or in a podcast format as always. We'll be back after these messages to wrap up a Thursday episode of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, 
Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email's on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasporch.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues. And I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts. But I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina Gamecock Baseball, and you are listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Go Cox! Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody. JC Sherbert, Phil Mullinax here with you for the last segment. Second hour is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. Give Adam or Derek a call or shoot him an email at a Burgesson. That's B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at Remax.net for your commercial or investment real estate needs. 
it's good having Brad on to talk, man. He really is very insightful. I know he digs in, you know, and really, yeah. you, know, you know, with the numbers and everything and very few things I disagree with him about just incidentally. It's kind of interesting, you know, I, and I, I haven't been that big on Twitter except for until we really started this and, you know, getting to see other people. Yeah. I've heard Keith and a few other guys, you know, but it's good to get some different perspectives. I think, you know, yeah, and I haven't always agreed with Brad uh, either. You know, I, especially a few years ago, you know, I, I, I was uh, I kind of took exception to some of his predictions. I don't, you know, I, I kind of maybe should have calmed down about that back then. But I, I'll say this about Brad. There's not probably a better human being in our business. He, yeah. He's a tremendous person. He seems high, like a really solid guy. Yeah, high yeah. moral character, uh, great family guy. You know, just a just an outstanding individual. Um, love having him on too, and love that he's part of twenty four seven sports. You know, our big uh, family over there. Uh, and so, great stuff with Brad today. Great stuff with Chris today. Nana Sports chat box blow it up again. <laughs> um, first, though, uh, I'm going to get to the uh, the I Help Consulting mailbag, Phil. Uh, yes, sir. The uh, the show that the, the, I'm sorry, the, the mailbag question of the day. And I answered this on the big spur.com. Uh, John emails in and he goes, wanted to delay this question a bit to celebrate the victory against A&M. But what are your thoughts on the uniforms, the black garnet garnet? Are we back to the grab bag philosophy that we had under the previous staff was hoping we'd stick with a more regular rotation. Uh, and this is what I said. I said, thanks for the email. I do think Shane Beamer keeps it more consistent with the uniforms than the previous staff did. There aren't uniform reveals every week, for example. And my understanding is that the seniors don't vote every week, as was previously the case. Mm -hmm. Beamer did say at one point, though, the players love the black helmets. And see, this is important because the players, you know, if the players love it, then, you know, fans should love it. And look, and I'll get to this in a second. Uniforms are a – next to Marcus Satterfield and Chicken Bog. I'm just kidding about Chicken Bog. But uh, – you know, it, 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 it's the point of, of conversation with every Gamecock fan all the time. And depending on what era you kind of became uh, familiar with the program uh, in, uh, that's kind of the uniform you gravitate toward. Uh, but they love the black helmet. So in, instead of the traditional big game garnet look, uh, again, uh, you know, the, with the garnet on garnet and the white helmets that they had under the Spurrier era, they've broken out the black helmets for Georgia State, Texas A&M. Same thing as big game garnet, garnet just with black helmets. They used the throwback helmets from 68 against SC State. Uh, and because Carolina has two primary colors, garnet and black, and has switched up quite a bit through the years, every fan has their own favorite combination. It's one of those things, if you ask 10 of them, you get 10 different answers. Uh, I kind of like the garnet helmets with the black uniforms because I started following it in the 80s when, when Todd Ellis was quarterback, right? Oh, and, uh, and so that's kind of my favorite uniform, right? I, I like that one. You know, I like the one – uh, from that era, but I'm not, I'm not picky. A lot of memories with all the different uniforms. Uh, the constant rotation toward the end of the last era, I think got old for a lot of fans. And uh, for me too, I've mentioned it. I, I wasn't a fan of it. And it, it was more of an under armor thing than a Will Muschamp thing. I'm like, if you're going to switch them up every week, just, just, just to go full Oregon. I mean, have one week where you come out with the, the Palmetto and Crescent head, right. to tell, you know, have one where, you know, you're honoring, you know, you have the, 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 the scholarship leadership helmet with the, with the, just the, the bird on it, you know, all that good stuff. You can go, you, there's, 
you know, with a Garnet and Black team, you know, you can have all kinds of uniform combinations, right? Mm-hmm. And um, unlike Tennessee, which doesn't have prim- black in any of their primary colors, but yet they're wearing black uniforms this weekend. Um, <laughs> uh, some other schools do that as well. But, um, you know, I, I think so, but, but that didn't happen. It was just basically like the same uniform, just Waffle House hash brown. Yeah, it was a Waffle House, it was, you know, 27. Waffle House hash browns. Waffle, right. Waffle House hash browns. And I think the losing had a lot to do with it, too. Um, and, I, and I think that the black garnet garnet that they wore the other night, something you're going to see again this season. But, I, I mean, I, I don't know for sure. But, you know, that seems to be the big game uniform they're going for. Um, mm-hmm. And the players like it, so that's what matters. And, uh, you know, I, and I'll say this and wrap this up. Even though technically there's been three different combos because of those throwback helmets against State, uh, really, they've kind of stuck with just two at home. There's been four home games, um, three different combos technically, but that was SC State was just a throwback helmet game. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to see anything as dramatic uh, as the last staff uh, had with, with the, you know, the, the, the different combos every week. So there we go. Uh, by the way, Chicken Ball got a tailgate, 63% yes. Hold mm. the big for com. So that was good with that. Those of you that in, emailed inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com, uh, we'll get to those, if not today, uh, tomorrow. Uh, and tomorrow we have Dave Matter from the St. Louis Post Dispatch to talk about Missouri coming on. Uh, he's the best Missouri beat writer out there. Uh, I've followed his work for years. And I know 24 7 Sports does not have a Missouri site. We need one, but we don't. Uh, and so. This there's is not the, really. Yeah, there's not. It, it, it's it's a weird. It's a strange market for that. They have. They're almost a lot like Clemson. They have uh, a gigantic free site called Tiger Board. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's been around for 20 years, and and, and that's that's good. And then uh, the rival uh, the rivals.com site Power Mizzou uh, with Gabe Diarman, who does great work. That's that's kind of their big site um, for that market for Mizzou. So that's that's just kind of. How, how the business goes sometimes. <laughs> the Lady Breeze talking about what the players have said about it being complicated. Now, players aren't going to go on the record with this. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. And this is a positive thing about Mark. The players love play, love Marcus Satterfield. You saw Marshawn Lloyd defend him in public. You know, uh, says he works extremely hard. He does. He knows a lot of football. He does. Uh, you know, and, and the players – Enjoy playing for him. Look at how he recruits. Mm-hmm. Very good recruiter at the quarterback position. Uh, players like him. So you're not going to hear them say anything like that. But but trust me, <laughs> uh, you can see it on the field. You know, yeah. you, you can see it on the field, and you have for two years. So when I think that's some of the disconnect between what the fans are seeing, just, you know, out of frustration and how they're, you know, venting. Because, you know, Satterfield obviously knows what he's doing when it comes to drawing something up or, you know, making a creative scheme or, you know, even connecting with the the players, obviously, which is huge because if you can't connect with these guys, it's, you're just, you're going to fall flat on your face. You're not going to win in spite of yourself if you lose the team. So it's like the, we, we have questions like personnel and usage and, and you know, fear yeah. flow with the game. That's that's where it really comes into it. But, you know, I just. You make a great it. point, Phil. I mean, it, it's it's the complexity of it. Uh, 
it, it is an issue, and I think it's why the offense didn't get off to a great start either season. Because it seems to get better and have its moments as the years go on. But, but the personnel usage and in-game decisions, like Brad was saying, you know, that's tough. And, and I don't think you set yourself up for, for success uh, when that happens. Maybe he has a good point. Georgia runs a similar kind of complex system. Now, wait, it's not as complex as South Carolina's. I know this no, for yeah. a fact. <laughs> uh, and keep in mind, Todd Mocken – uh, was in the pros, did call plays in the pros, but he also worked for Mike Gundy at, at Oklahoma State for a long time, ran his own college program at, at Southern Miss. I think he worked for Les Miles for a while. Um, you know, he, he's – he's and they have Blake, Blake – uh, who is it? Blake Anderson? Is that his name? Not, it's not the guy that went to Utah State. It's, it's another guy that they got that was a OC at Southern Miss that's kind of an analyst there. And they brought Monken in, and it, so it's it's still a collegiate offense. They run now; they run similar formations and sets uh, and all that. But there is a world of difference between how he uses his. Like you, you want to just we'll break it down to personnel and play calling. Okay, Georgia is one of the best teams in the country on offense at at how to use their personnel. Right, they're masterful. I mean, teams that are four deep at running back. Normally, it's kind of a, a hodgepodge, and, and you know, you, you kind of know if they are rotating them. Well, when this guy comes in, they're going to do this. That he does a great job of hiding that. You know, mm-hmm. it's amazing. You know, George is always loaded at tailback. He finds a way to use them all. Uh, what do they have this year? They have really good tight ends. Uh, Bowers, you know, it gets and he so so he gets the ball to his playmakers. I mean, I don't think anybody would deny that. Uh, you want an example of, of in good in-game play calling, look at the championship game last year because Bama's corner got hurt, and the guy they rolled in there couldn't cover a bucket of water. Uh, he got burnt. He, immediately when that guy came in the game, that was after Georgia. I think Bama had the lead. Georgia had gotten the ball back. Georgia goes downtown right after him. Touchdown. Game-changing play, right? That's good play calling. So, so there is a world of difference. Uh, number one, it's not as complex behind the, the guts of it, right? Uh, but it, it, number two, though, it, the, the way he Monken uses his personnel uh, and the way he calls the games dramatically different. And but but I'll, I'll give you this: maybe Stetson Bennett does do an excellent job of running that offense. That's why he supplanted like JT Daniels and all those five-star quarterbacks they have on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's a pretty good player. I mean, I, I don't I don't think. I think he's got a good arm. He's fast. He's, you know, but, but you're right. He does has mastered that system, but you know, that's kind of a, a, it's a different situation than I think what's going on at Carolina. And I also know this Todd Mocken and Kirby smart when they don't have Stetson Bennett anymore, you watch that offense will change. It'll evolve. It will adjust. It'll be different. And then the quarterback won't have problems running it. I mean, that's a, that's just how it goes. Um, Rolling through here on the Nanosports chat box, trying to wrap up on a Thursday. Uh, Deion Brown is visiting the Missouri game. Do we push here, JC? That's the kid from that's committed to Clemson for baseball from Clover. I don't know, Clint. I have to, you know, my the guy that uh, high school quarterback Brian Lane is the head coach at Clover. Maybe I'll hit him up and ask him about Deion and see what's going on there. Clint says, I have to admit, black, garnet, garnet in my favorite. I like garnet, black, white. I like that, too, because that's that's for the no, 80s. That's a good look, yes. mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Touchdown, Carolina. Touchdown, yours truly, Todd Ellis. Boom. Pick. <laughs> Pick. <laughs> that interception record will stand the test of time. J-Rock says embrace the black. I still want a blackout game at some point. We have to get over that superstition. I tend to agree. Uh, I don't, everybody's like, no blackouts. Well, I got a feeling that's coming. I, I, something tells me it's it's going to happen Saturday time. before Thanksgiving. Yeah, <laughs> the Saturday. Oh, Especially if we roll in there eight and two. Ooh, that's going to be a huge recruiting weekend, by the way. I'm sure if the Gamecocks are eight and two, that game could be at night. It could be the three thirty CBS game. Yeah. That's the Please. only thing I'm worried about is it being 330 because I'd much rather it be under the lights. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. It's you, you know you, you know what's funny is uh GameCop fans used to kind of get excited when they were the 330 CBS game. You don't even hear that discussion anymore. It's probably because uh gosh, was Carolina ever the 330 CBS game under Muschamp? The Georgia game at home in yeah, 20, Georgia at home 2018 with CBS, but Brad Nessler called that one. But uh but here's I, the, thing, uh, the numbers on the cable channels, what you know, the traditional cable networks, ESPN, things like that, they're just as good as the damn national yeah, broadcast yeah. CBS because the, the, the big four don't exist anymore. I love the CBS. I, 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 I'm a little self. I love the CBS. I'll, I'll be honest. I love oh, the yeah. CBS broadcast. I, I love da 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 da. And it's got great production. Their production quality is outstanding. It is. Uh, I mean, but, they they put a lot into it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that the, uh, I think that the uh, production, or I mean, I'm sorry, the the with all the lights and stuff now at Williams Bryce, everybody wants a a, a home game or a night game, uh, and if you're LSU, you always want to, you know, you, you kind of if you're LSU is pretty good, you know, they get stuck on CBS a lot, and they're probably, you know, they're not too happy either, but you know, if you're good enough. Sometimes CBS will go, okay, well, well we're going to throw you a night game. You know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do a would, double header. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, Phil, if I'm not mistaken, am I, maybe if correct me if I'm wrong, next weekend, Tennessee plays Georgia yep. and Alabama plays LSU, and it's kind of a double header on mm-hmm. CBS, right? I think, so. I think you're right. I, I think that. I'm right about yeah, that. I think so. they are doing the double header CBS. Yeah. Yeah. Daddy O's. Eight. What? That's the what fifth. Week, is that? week eight. Yeah, week yeah, eight. Yeah, week eight. Yeah. It, so that that's good. So I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, Tennessee. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Where did I miss this? Oh, the blackout. Yeah, they did do a blackout. Was it in the crowd in 2016? I know Carolina had all black uniforms on when they beat uh, beat uh, the Vols uh, in that big upset with Jake Bentley heroics. Uh, They've also lost a game like that. To yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Casey Crosby, really big mm-hmm. play in that. He was wide open in that game. You know, so I don't know. I think, um, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens uh, if, you know, Carolina wins these next, you know, three games and gets to eight and two. Boy, that's going to be something else. And then the next weekend's going to be lit. <laughs> uh, you know, they're not killing uh, – they're not killing people up there in the upstate like they normally are. You know, we talked about yeah. winning and, and kind of winning ugly and how South Carolina's normally done that. Clemson's kind of doing the same thing. I mean, they're, they're, mm-hmm. uh, their game's sort of hanging in the balance this year a lot. Uh, Cam says, does Illinois Sellers commit? I really like that kid. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, it's not looking promising, but 
it's recruiting and things can change uh, and all that good stuff. But I, right now, I would not, you know, put the Gamecocks' chances as high uh, to flip him from South Florence. Um, 76 says, I like most, not if not all, our uniform combos. Really don't have a preference. Maybe all black or all garnet. The mixture's nice. All white with garnet or black helmets. I like the all white with really both. Either helmet's fine. The mm-hmm. garnet or the black. I, I'm partial to the Stormtrooper look because South Carolina, you know, under Spurrier, when they roll in with those unis and, and win big on the road, I mean, it, it looked – I thought it looked sharp. What's that? White, 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 black face mask in there? Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I, I kind of dig those, and I think, uh, you know, I think they'll probably bust that out at some point, you know. So uh, that's the deal there. Drinkwitz, John says, has easily the most punchable face in the SEC. I have to say, so smug. I, I can't decide whether I think he's like Spurrier funny and, and all that, or, or whether he's just a guy that you do want to punch in the face. In fact, I almost put up the poll question today. Does Eli Drinkwitz have a punchable face? Yes or no? <laughs> yeah, we yeah. might get our most landslide victory to that poll question. 98% agree. Yeah, somebody uh, compared him to like Millhouse on The Simpsons, which I yeah. thought was an excellent comparison. Yeah, he had Shane with the sunglasses on one side and Millhouse on the other. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, I, I agree with this, Aaron, completely. Garnet, black, garnet is trash. I think so, too. It looks like yeah, when they wear that, it looks like Texas Tech or NC State to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything's all good. Everything else is all good. He says, yeah, I, I, I'm. that would be my no-go is garnet, black, garnet. Because <laughs> it looks like Texas Tech. I, I still think the black helmets, what they wore the other night, kind of is a Texas Tech-esque. But uh, I can live with it. If the kids, hey, we'll do it for the kids. You know, yeah. if the kids like that, um, then that's fine. I like it being a black matte helmet and not a shiny one. That's what I, I Yeah, like. I'm with you there. Um, Krager did bring this up, and I don't think we've mentioned it yet. He, uh, about Eli Drinkwitz, he's one SEC road win over a team not named Vanderbilt. Uh, and that was at Carolina. And we have the dubious distinction of being that team. <laughs> What's crazy about all this talk about them firing him, and I understand there's been a regime change out there, and the, the AD that hired him has gone and, and all that, and he probably, you know, based on, like, how he kind of talks in the media, he probably chirps a lot behind the scenes too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think, uh, you know, if you look back on 2020, I think some of this talk is surprising because – Man, he got off to a good start. I think Missouri won five games in 2020. Now, everybody goes, well, wait a minute. Five five wins isn't that much. No, that was an all-SEC schedule. Yeah, five you know, conference wins. Five conference wins. <laughs> That's why that Alabama team that year that won it all, I mean, that may be one of the – that may not be the best team in the history of college football because I don't know how you kind of decide that because – so many opt-outs that year, so many defenses that were depleted, all that. I do think it's the most impressive impressive feat in the history of college football because yeah. Bama went through – they went through 10 SEC games, an SEC championship game, uh, a semifinal game, uh, and a national championship. Uh, you know, so there were no, uh, you know, Northern Illinois or – Western Kentuckys or Middle Tennessee States that year uh, at all. 
Uh, and so I thought that was that was impressive what they did that season. Um, yeah, some thirteen nonos look a little different than others. <laughs> yes, but look who they beat, and, you know. But Missouri that year won five. Then, then there was last year, and I thought their defense was very disappointing. I, I thought Eli they did a good job getting them to a bowl. They lost mm-hmm. the bowl, um, and then they had a top twenty recruiting class heading into this year. I, I don't know why. Missouri would be rushing to get rid of the guy, but that is a thing. Brad's Brad Brad's right. You know, you talk to people in coaching circles, Missouri may open, uh, and maybe before Auburn. Um, so, I think it'd be funny if Missouri fired their coach for losing to South Carolina. What does this mean? Oh, wouldn't but, that but, just feel so good? <laughs> but Missouri people, um, Missouri people like consider South Carolina a rival. Uh, and all that. C. Franklin says, "JC, what's your email address?" Uh, I'll give you. I'm gonna give you the one for the for the, the podcast, and then forward it to my personal because uh, my name's uh, spelled funny. So send it to inside the gamecocks at gmail.com, please, if you don't mind. Um, maybe says, "I still believe in 2019. The two best teams in college football history played in Tuscaloosa, and the better team lost." Yeah, Alabama lost to Auburn that year too, buddy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Eagle. Boy, that seems like a long time ago on the Plains, doesn't it? Ooh, yeah. They won 48 45 in that game in 2019. It's a hell of a game. But it was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but they didn't have yeah. to. You know. Did they have yeah, overtime in that game? Yeah, no, their picks yeah. now. Maybe does bring up they didn't have to. And you're right. They did. Mac yeah. Jones was an interception machine in that contest, but he got, he got vengeance the next year, boy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, J-Rock says, "Uh oh, Carolina's going to have another coach, coach canned. That'd be funny. I don't know. Another Um, health on the wall. Yeah. yeah. So 76 says when Keith said that about Eli having a punchable face the other day, I lost my composure. (laughs) I, I, I talk, uh, I talk to, um, a lot of people that they'll have a moment where they listen to the show and it, they're like, my goodness, I spit my drink out or I spilt my supper or whatever, or I doubled over laughing on the treadmill or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. So that's it. That's right. Uh, so a C Franklin 44 CF kind of send you an awesome video of Willie B rocket, send it to inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Um, if it's a too big of a file to email, uh, use wetransfer.com and it'll, it'll, you can load it up to we transfer W E transfer. Uh, that's mm-hmm. all Phil and I send video back and forth. And, uh, if you put him, uh, inside the game at gmail.com and it'll email it to me and I can download it. Yeah. Free uh, transfer up to two gigs. Yeah. J rock says 2019 was the best offense in college football history at LSU. Yeah. yeah. And yes. then that's how hard it is to keep things going in this sport, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go from that to, you know, Coach O getting fired to uh, to Brian Kelly now getting it back up. I mean, LSU in the place is going to be down for very long, but uh, that's, um, you know, that just kind of shows you. That's another example of, of why Alabama is a class above everybody else because they're just good every year, you know, yeah. even if they're not as good this year. So, uh, Doc says he does look like a Buzz McAllister. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't know. Maybe says Stormtrooper for Clemson would be nice. Um, here's a point by Craiger. I'd like Tennessee. to see it in the swamp. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I'd like did, to they, see it in the swamp. 
did they wear those? Um, didn't they wear those when the, the uh, I guess it was the last time they won at the swamp when uh, Dylan Thompson ran the option, uh, yeah, walked into so. the end zone, got Muschamp fired. That 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 game set a lot of events into motion. <laughs> you yeah, know, <laughs> that was crazy if you look if you think about it. Uh, Kreger says Tennessee plays much better defense as the next four or five weeks. I bet their offensive numbers come down a little. It's going to be interesting because. Alabama's got a pretty good defense. They've given up some points and yards this year and had some bust. Um, but, you know, it's going to be interesting because it's uh, it's um, it's uh, it's one of those things where it's, you know, their run defense is top 10 and all that. Phil, man, I got to jump yeah. off. We got to end this early. Yeah. I got, okay. I got, a, I got a call coming in. Sorry to cut it short. Yeah, it's important. It yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an important deal. So I got distracted there. For Phil Mullinax, J.C. Sherbert, we'll cut this short today. We'll give you an extra three minutes or so tomorrow. Prediction Friday coming up inside the Gamecocks of the show. Thanks.